Hey folks, Joyce Vance here. On this week's episode of Cafe Insider, I'm joined by my friend Jim Cavanaugh. Jim has spent his whole career working in law enforcement. As a prominent voice in the field, I wanted to talk with him today given the failed police response to the Uvalde school shooting. Kavanaugh spent over 33 years working in the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, including leading the Bureau's Birmingham and Nashville offices as special agent in charge. During his time at ATF, Kavanaugh handled many high-profile matters, including negotiating with Branch Davidian leader David Koresh during the Waco siege and investigating the Eric Rudolph bombings, which included attacks at an abortion clinic in Alabama and the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. Jim is now a law enforcement analyst for NBC News. Today, we're sharing a clip from the interview with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com insider. That's cafe.com insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. Well, that's an awfully good segue for us to talk about the recent school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where the line commander didn't make the right decisions, made some bad choices. I know you've been on MSNBC and NBC a lot talking about this case. It's a case that I think has scarred the national consciousness. What went wrong in Uvalde? <laughs> a lot of things. Certainly, you know, tactical decision-making by the chief of the school district police who later made a comment he didn't know he was the incident commander, but he's the chief, and he's a six-man department. He's on the scene, so he's the leader. He's He's got to know he's the chief. He's got to know he's the incident commander. I'd say he wasn't trained in tactical decision-making, and he, he should have moved. The active shooter training that we all went through years ago after Columbine, once you get two or three officers or agents there, you move quickly to the threat. You 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 go to engage the killer, the active killer, we call him. You go to engage him. You're trying to get him to shoot at you so he's not shooting at the innocents in the building. And you should have multiple guns and you can take him out. Uh, that's the strategy. Now, what happened in Uvalde, I was not surprised, by the way, when this happened because when we did our training years ago, I was at the training and when the stack, we call it, three officers come down the hall with their rifles, I locked the hallway door in the training scenario that threw the whole thing into a big tizzy <laughs> because I couldn't get through the door. Couldn't get through the door. I bet. Well, yeah. Well, what happens if the killer locks the door? And then, you know, on uh, NBC and MSNBC, I, I did those live um, hits on the um, Virginia Tech killing where Cho had brought uh, padlocks and chains and he locked the doors uh, at the uh, the college building, he killed 32 people. And the Lancaster mm -hmm. school shooting, where the guy barricaded the door with two by fours and you know killed all the little girls, and the state police were having a hell of a time trying to get in there. And after those two things, I used to go around talking to my police buddies, my agent buddies, and saying, Guys, you guys gotta have some breaching equipment in your patrol cars. You guys, you guys gotta wake up and be ready to breach because these killers are locking the doors. And everybody kind of looked at me like I got a snake on my head and say, well, you know, our, our, our trunks, the trunks of the <laughs> patrol cars are full and blah, 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 blah. Well, I, I feared this was going to happen because I've always talked about it. And then here we come to Uvalde and now we find out the door wasn't even locked. So really that that wasn't true. And they had a Halligan tool, which was a tool 
our uh, ATF tactical teams carry too. It's a firefighter's tool. It's a big pry bar. What goes wrong in Uvalde? You've got lots of police. They've got some pretty good quality weapons. They've got shields. They know that kids have been killed. There's good reason for them to think that some of those kids are injured and would benefit from immediate attention. And they don't go in. What do you think happened? Well, the short answer is weak leadership because leadership is the problem. Should have made them go in right away since the door was unlocked. They could have went in with, you know, three rifles and and taken him out. They could have went in with the with those shields and taken him out. People confuse how these things go. I've described this on the network a few times on how, you know, the A game would be on this. And and sometimes people don't quite understand because they're so tied up into active shooter, you just go in, active shooter, you just go in. But yes, that's true. But look, there's nuances in all this. The goal is not to follow the protocol. That was the failure at Columbine. Just follow the protocol. The goal is to save the lives of the people. It's not just to follow the protocol. Now, on active killers, you go, you advance to contact or to the breach point. In other words, if the door's locked, I mean, people will say on television, I just go through the door. Well, I don't know how you do that unless you're some kind of a ghost. You're going to have to open the door if it's not locked, open it with a key, pry it with a Halligan tool, breach it with explosives. There's got to be a way, some way, but you have to be able to do that. And if at the instant they went to the breach point, which from the pictures they showed us last week on the network, they weren't not even at the breach point. They were down the hall, which I found very disturbing when I saw those pictures because you should be right outside the door. Of course, they should open the door, but you should be right outside the door if the door is locked. And if he wasn't actively killing people in there, in other words, you're not hearing the gunshots in there while you're standing on the other side of the door, understand this, this concept. He has a gun that can kill 30 people in 30 seconds. So you know that he's not actively shooting. You have just a couple of minutes to set up the A-plus game if you know how to do it. And that would be, this is the A-plus game. So you got, he's not shooting. He's not killing anybody right now. Send a couple of guys with rifles around the back to the window. Get the stack by the door, whether it's open or you have a key or you're going to pry it. It doesn't matter. And you do what you call a sniper-initiated emergency assault on the order of the commander on the radio. And so the way it works is the sniper's out there ready. The guy's in the classroom. He can see him. The commander issues the order for the sniper to fire. He only can fire one shot. Now, he's going to fire the shot. He's going to kill him. He's going to miss him. Or he's going to wound him. That's the three outcomes. You already know it's one of those three. And there's only one shot. And as soon as that shot is fired, the emergency assault team from inside the hallway with the rifles, the stack, blasts in. And if he's not dead from the shot, they kill him before he can shoot the children. Now, that is the A-plus game. And I've tried to describe that on the network. I think some people get confused because they think, well, he's an active killer, he's an active killer. But listen, it's not just stand at the door prying it with a Halligan tool that gives him 40 seconds to kill every child in there that may still be alive. You're, you're trying to save the lives. But even if he didn't do the A-plus game, he could have just, just went in the door and engaged him because you just had to take action. You just could Inaction was the only worst decision, and that's the decision they made. 
Let's talk about the gun for a minute, because something that I've noticed, and certainly, you know, you and I live in a part of the country where people have guns, people are familiar with guns. You, of course, know the longtime U.S. Marshal in Birmingham, Marty Keeley, who made certain that as a U.S. attorney and as a prosecutor that I knew my way around a firearm. But I've noticed that this isn't clear to folks always. And when we're talking about a gun like an AR-15, people appreciate that it's an assault weapon. I'm not sure that they appreciate exactly how it works and what kind of magazine it has. So can you talk about that and about the way it fires and and why that can make these situations difficult for law enforcement? Yeah, sure. Well, these weapons were designed for military use. So they're, they are weapons designed for war. I mean, the AR-15 originally was designed, you know, back in the late 50s, 60s by Colt. It's lightweight material. You know, rifles prior to that were wooden stocks. They were heavy. Soldiers would carry them in battle, World War II. Those things are tiring when you carry them constantly. So they come up with these plastic, lighter frames, aluminum frames. They can hold a lot of rounds, and the rounds are also designed for the soldier, you know, to be able to kill efficiently or even create a devastating wound. So like an AR-15 cartridge has a, a very small projectile. It's a 22 caliber, really, 223 is called. The first two numbers are 22. It's like a very small bullet, but it has a very large cartridge that gets fat, so it has a lot of gunpowder behind it. And what that does is it makes the velocity of the bullet so fast. And of course, so does the long barrel of a rifle. It increases the velocity because the explosion of the powder stays behind the bullet going down the barrel longer than in a pistol. So in a pistol, when you fire a pistol, the velocity of the round is probably about 1,000, 1,100 feet per second. But with an AR-15 rifle, you're talking about maybe 3,100 feet per second, three times the speed of a pistol. And not only it has more distance, it has more speed, it has more devastating wound it leaves, and it will penetrate things. So on a patrol officer's normal body armor that a patrolman would wear, it, it would penetrate that easily. Penetrate that, go through the officer, go out the back of his vest. Now, SWAT teams or tactical teams, they will use up-armored tactical vests that can have ceramic plates and different plates in there that can stop some rifle rounds, but they're small protection, really. But those rifles are tough. And if a, if a patrolman is going up against him and he only has a pistol, uh, he's already losing because that thing is just so much more accurate. The wounds are so much more devastating and the penetration capability. Now, what happened in Uvalde, Joyce, is when they went in, he, he wounded a couple of the first officers in there. They were wounded by the rifle and they retreated. And they never went back. I think we're going to see that in the report when, when those two were wounded. I don't know if they were school district officers or city officers, but he did wound a couple in the in the initial confrontation. And then they kind of stood back in the hallway where they should have kept pressing, pressing the contact, pressing to the breach point. And one thing on a tactical operation like that is if a person doesn't understand tactical decision-making, the chief, the uh, school district chief, people are bleeding. So you know, time on these things, we consider when we go into them, they're neutral. Time is neutral. But the commander has to read when time goes against you, when time goes for you. Just like I was describing when say, well, maybe time is for us now. I might have two or three minutes. I can set up an emergency assault because he's not actively killing people. So I might have two or three minutes. So time might be on my side right now. But then 
times also against me because people are bleeding inside. So I might be able to give up two or three minutes, but I can't give up 30 minutes. You see what I mean? So the commander has to be able to read the, the escalation, de-escalation of the event to make the decisions. And, you know, we talk so much in leadership, Joyce, you know, in the senior executive service. And I used to talk so much to all my subordinate command people about leadership all the time. And the number one job of the leader, the number one job is to make decisions. That's the number one job. It's not to get a rifle. It's not to get a running around with your hair on fire. It's not to swab the deck. It's not to be another officer in the stack. The number one job is to make decisions. And that's what you got to be doing. You got to be making those decisions, thinking about them. And I think that the chief in Uvalde got wrapped up in, you know, being one of the officers as much as anything. And you can't be everything. Uh, You can't be the captain on the bridge of the ship while you're down there squirting oil on the engine and swabbing the deck and loading the guns. You've got to be up there. You know it from being a United States attorney. You can't be in there doing everything that every one of your prosecutors, and you had scores of prosecutors doing. You've got to get up on the bridge, and you've got to say, this is the course, direction, and speed. This is where we're going. This is how fast we're going, and this is how we're going to get there. And that failed in Uvalde, that decision-making by the leader. So you flagged the fact that there's a report in the offing. DOJ is doing an investigation into Uvalde. Typically, those sorts of reports are forward-leaning. In other words, they're far less interested in assigning blame, per se, than they are in figuring out what went wrong and how to fix that in the next one. Do you think that sort of report is helpful? Do you think it'll help following Uvalde to make sure we don't see a repeat? I do. My criticism of that, though, is that it's always too slow. And, you know, what I would really like them to do is go in there and what I call a lightning round and come out in a week or two with just, you know, the high stuff for the police departments and go ahead and do your report in six months. You know, write a big 3,000-page report if you want to. But but come out in, in a lightning round and say, look, here's what happened. Here's what was wrong. You know, failure of tactical decision-making, failure to realize you should have been the leader making the decisions. You know, there was no key. There was no breaching tools. Whatever it was, they didn't go around to the window. They didn't, you know, pay attention to time so that the children were bleeding out. Whatever it is, get some of that out fast just for the police. You don't even have to make it public. Just get it out in a police channel. It may leak, but just get that stuff out because my fear is we have another one. And while that report is in its pendency and we have another one, and it's the same thing. Or somebody locks the doors and then what? Everybody's getting slaughtered because we weren't ready for the breach. That's my only criticism. I I think they'll do a good job on whatever they do, but I'd rather see them do it kind of in that style, you know, do it fast. It's kind of like we did so much, you and me and everybody, you know, we, hey, we got a dangerous guy out here. Uh, We're going to get a complaint and warrant and lock him up tonight. You know, (laughs) we can't wait to indict him in six weeks or six months. We got to arrest him. He's going to hurt somebody. So that's what I wish they would have done. Well, let's talk about, because I think we've talked about what law enforcement gets wrong. Let's talk about what law enforcement gets right. And, you know, the first person that I want to talk about in that regard is an ATF agent, a a lab guy named Lloyd Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who've chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.